0: Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation.
1: Welcome to the Arkansas AgCast for April 9th. I'm your host Rob Anderson. This week we talked to Dr. Amanda Perez, a professor and food safety specialist with the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture, about how produce and specialty crop farmers are adjusting their businesses during the COVID-19 crisis. And we catch up with UA Division of Agriculture Wheat and Feed Grains agronomist Jason Kelly to discuss how rainfall has delayed this year's corn crop planting and the impact COVID-19 concerns are having on crop farmers. And we also hear from John Gavin, staff chair of the Bradley County Cooperative Extension Service about tomato production in Southeast Arkansas. First, Ken Moore speaks to Professor Amanda Perez, a food safety specialist with the University of Arkansas, who provides some insight on what produce and specialty crop farmers are doing to service customers during a time of social distancing and how they're meeting increased demand for locally grown products.
0: On this edition of AgCast, I'm speaking with Dr. Amanda Perez with the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture she is an assistant professor and specializes in food safety. And, uh, Amanda, I've been with you in years past when you've conducted uh, food safety workshops for our specialty crop growers, and, uh, and that's very, very important. Today we're going to be talking with you about uh, the future, if there is one, uh, of farmer's markets in Arkansas. We've kind of touched on that. In fact, I did an interview a week ago with uh, – a family that you're very familiar with, uh, Jay and Valerie Lee, they have J.B. Farms in Bismarck. And I know you work with and are very close to many specialty crop producers like the Lees all across the state of Arkansas. They are familiar with and a very visible presence at a couple of farmers markets, one in Hot Springs, one in Little Rock, every summer. They're having to adapt because they're not going to be able to connect with the uh, public in the way they have in the past. From what you learn as a result of COVID-19 concerns and uh, social distancing, what can consumers, those who may be listening to this edition of Adcast, what is the future of farmers markets and how can they obtain this locally grown uh, produce and these locally grown foods from people they uh, are accustomed to doing that but may not be able to do that this summer?
2: Yes. Well, thank you, Ken. Um, you know, I've been on calls and have emails and text messages from growers and consumers all over the state over the past couple of weeks that have been concerned with the same thing. Um, we have been talking with our um, small farms, uh, those who have farm stands, those who have worked with farmers markets in um, other years, those who – Um, are now having to adapt to kind of this changing atmosphere with dealing with COVID-19. And I'm really excited to see what's happening in this space because, um, you know, at first I was a little bit concerned because we had heard that many of our farmers markets were going to close. And then many of the farmers have really been really creative with the way that they've adapted to that. Many of them are are moving to online um, platforms where you can order online and they offer a pickup or delivery. Many of them um, are doing a really great job with online marketing through social media. Um, They're looking for new outlets. Um, There are a number of small grocers, restaurants, and even bars that have started um, serving in a grocery capacity where they're actually selling um, some of these Arkansas grown and Arkansas made products um, in a way that they may have not done previously. So while um, we are seeing a change in um, what's happening with farmer's markets, we are seeing people um, adapt in really creative ways. And interestingly, um, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen an, a growth. And the farms that were able to transition to online markets are to market themselves really well. They're actually seeing an increase in sales um, from local food sources. And as you may know, um, due to COVID-19, um, we have seen minor um, shortages, nothing too significant, but just minor issues with some items not being available in a grocery store setting because generally people are buying a little more than they normally do right now. And so we're seeing farms adapt to that, and it's, it's really interesting. Um, and in regards to farmers markets, um, we had anticipated and many had already made statements about closing, um, but our Secretary of Health put out a guidance on March 26th. Um, In regards to how farmer's markets um, don't necessarily have to close, they can operate in um, a different capacity.
0: And how would that different capacity be? Uh, I know that we are still going to be, for the foreseeable future, uh, restricted to gatherings of 10 or fewer people, uh, so it cannot be a real large social gathering places in the past.
2: Um, Absolutely. So if markets are able to transition to an online platform where a consumer can go to a website, um, some people are doing that through um, Google. Google offers um, a form-based system where people can just set it up and then people can go online and order from that market or from that individual vendor. Um, And so for markets that are able to create some kind of online platform, um, and many of them are, are working on doing that right now, Um, and some of them already have, um, they've already started um, with market sales. And so that's allowed. So the way that markets are doing that, um, if they have vendors um, who are producing food and those individuals are sick, they're encouraged not to harvest their food and not to sell that product to the public. But if they're healthy, um, then um, those vendors can, um, can harvest that food and bring that food to market. Um, And then there can be some kind of coordination at the site where um, individuals would not come in a group and like you would at a traditional market, you know, socialize and wander around with your kids or pets or things like that. Um, This is more, um, you're just there to kind of pick up. Um, So many of the markets that have adapted to this, um, and Fayetteville Farmers Market is a really good example of doing this, is they're offering online ordering and then they're serving um, single shoppers. Um, for a pickup, and then if they do have vendors on site, they will be spacing those vendors out to at least a 10 foot distance, um, and then they're going to try to encourage individuals um, for mar- markets that don't have an online farmers market system that if the vendors could create their own system for for those um, clients to purchase from them and pick up at some site, and then um, under the guidance from the Secretary of Health. Uh, it is a, we don't want um, individuals gathering and doing a self-service like you see at a traditional farmer's market. And then we would encourage some pre-packaging of things rather than um, when you go to an open-air market in the summer and you see baskets of strawberries and peaches and greens and you go around and you pick your favorite and stuff like that. It's a really awesome experience. I love doing it. I encourage people and families to get out and understand agriculture in that way. But in this setting, we're actually asking the vendors to kind of prepackage things and have those ready so it's quick and efficient and have the least amount of contact with one another.
0: That's phenomenal. Uh, That's great. Thank you for explaining that. And, uh, And so, you know, it's, as you said a minute ago, created, I think, new business and increased business for some of our specialty crop producers, hasn't it? I know that's what Jay Lee told me. They're already selling out of some of their pork and beef products.
2: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that's one of the things that in my role at Extension is we're trying to encourage uh, local and regional food systems development where um, we have an increase in specialty crop production, where we have more people who have um, um, local meats and dairy and um, grain-based products and, you know, just the whole gamut of Arkansas-grown, Arkansas-made Um, And we were hoping to kind of see this grow. There was a little bit of a slump in farmer's market participation over the last couple of years where we we thought we were kind of getting to saturation. Um, But in the current state, with everyone dealing with health issues um, and being concerned about getting out, and then there being some minor shortages at grocery stores, people are really starting to think more about where their food comes from, how they can secure food more easily and then also supporting small business and farmers within our state um you know this is going to have a huge economic impact to everyone um but people are really trying to get behind supporting small businesses especially farms right now
0: as you talk to the uh, clients and small farmers that uh, you connect with on a regular basis do you think this is gonna potentially result in a little bit of a a shortage on, uh, or a pressure on the part of these specialty crop growers to have enough product to to supply the demand that they're receiving?
2: You know, um, that's a really good question, and I think um, we're not sure yet. Um, you know, there's still a lot of stuff to go in the ground to be planted for the year. You know, it may um, – some of the earlier things, like you mentioned, the strawberries and greens and things that will be coming off pretty soon, um, you know, there there may be issues with that selling out um, pretty quickly. I guess there is a demand for that right now. Um, But in regards to, um, you know, other crops that are going to come on um, later in the season, um, I had farmers talk to me right as this was starting that they said they were a little bit concerned about planting because they weren't sure if they were going to have a market to sell. And now farms are saying now that they figured out this technology issue and they figured out how to connect with their clients and they're now working with these small mom and pop grocers that are asking for more, um, you know, they're interested in planting more. Um, so I'm actually, I've started um, having a bi biweekly um, meeting um, with some of our local producers just to kind of hear from them about the issues that, um, that they're having. And if, they, and if they need resources or if they're having trouble with managing the supply chain and things like that. And, um, and so far, I feel like, you know, they're farmers, they're action-oriented people, they're figuring out how to solve it. And it's really, um, they're creating some really um, innovative ways to respond to market demands.
0: Amanda, as you listen to uh, what the Secretary of the Department of Health has to say and the governor, uh, their guidance, uh, their concerns, I know they're saying that uh, hopefully this will flatten out and uh, we may be about a month away, maybe, uh, hopefully, uh, seeing the peak of this uh, uh, virus concern here in Arkansas. And then uh, do you anticipate as we get deeper into the summer months Uh, and I'm talking June, July, do you anticipate maybe farmers' markets reopening uh, as we normally expect them to uh, uh, once this concern is over with?
2: Um, You know, we are going to have to play this um, by the data, Um, and I listen in daily um, from our Secretary of Health and our governor each day as they give the update. I'm actually public health trained. I have a doctorate in a public health degree, and um, so following this, I mean, our state is, um, is doing a really good job of encouraging the stay-at-home practices, um, paying attention to the data, making recommendations about what to do. And, and I think that we're headed in the right direction of flattening the curve. Um, hopefully, um, all of our citizens are listening to that, um, doing the best they can, you know, as long as they're n- not essential personnel, um, that they're staying home and not socializing with others and trying to, you know, fund that curve. Um, so if we do that, I'm optimistic that in a month or so that that we will get to a place that we can um potentially um you know go back to the way things were just a few, few weeks ago um and hopefully we will see farmers' markets to open up later this summer um I think it all depends on um how well um we're able, as citizens of Arkansas, to kind of follow the recommendations of our Secretary of Health and our governor, stay home, take care of ourselves, um, avoid others, um, and if you have to go out, only go out for the things that are essential, and if we're able to do that, then hopefully this summer, um, we'll all have the energy to get out, and markets can reopen, and we can enjoy that fresh produce, and have our families out in parks and public spaces, and um, you know, I'm pretty hopeful that we'll be able to do that if we follow the recommendations.
0: Thank you so much. That's excellent counsel uh, right there. And uh, finally, uh, talk about, again, uh, the resources that uh, the Division of Agriculture, the Cooperative Extension Service offers online for consumers, and and our specialty crop growers. You have some excellent resources they could find to identify uh, where these farms are located. I know I heard where uh, some of our small farmers are still conducting a few U-pick Operations are going to open to the public, but when the uh, customers get there, they're having to uh, wear gloves and follow strong, uh, stringent safety protocols.
2: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So in regards to UPIC, we are actually working on some resources right now to make recommendations to how farms kind of set up a flow. Um, so we do have the produce safety program where we teach farms about health and hygiene and safety um, in regards to just general uh, produce production. Um, but in this sense, um, we're encouraging um, that farms are, you know, the health department has said that um, we do encourage people to continue to operate UPIC operations. They just need to follow the distancing and health and hygiene practices. Um, and you may have seen on the news recently that some of our larger um, um Outlets for groceries and home goods and things like that are um, limiting the number of people that come into a store. They're encouraging um, a larger distance, some even up to 10 feet between um, customers. They're creating um, a pattern or a flow where people come in one way and go out another. Um, that They're encouraging hand washing, um, offering hand sanitizing, um, and then just kind of routing people through the space, encouraging them not to interact with others. Um, And then setting up a system um, as the the customers leave um, where they're, in some cases, putting um, a double table between um, the consumer um, and the customer. They're offering um, online payment systems through things like a cash app rather than taking a credit card so you don't have to make a physical contact. Um, they're giving um, customers the resources for bagging their own produce um, and weighing their own produce just so we're practicing that distancing, that um, health and hygiene, um, and then um, and not allowing people to really interact with one another. And uh, as long as we do that, UPIC operations should be able to maintain and we should still have access to that wonderful produce this summer. Um, and then in regards in general, I think... Um, um if we if we're able to put all of these social distancing hand washing practices all of that into place i think we'll be able to be be in a good place this summer
0: and again uh give our listeners uh the uh web address the uh, how they can find you online and and uh learn more about what you've just talked about
2: oh certainly yes um with um with our resources we have a number that deal with health um, broadly, um, recommendations from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the World Health Organization, FDA. Um, are cited on our extension website which is at uaex.edu and if you go to that website at the top is a banner it says COVID and you click on that and um, you can really drill down into a number of things. We have resources that relate to um, how families may be dealing with some of the challenges of being at home, um, activities for kids, um, dealing with financial issues We've got some resources for small businesses that may be um, having um, some fin- financial related issues they may have had to lay off staff or they may not have as much business coming in. We've got resources for that and then we've got resources for um, farms, um, for food businesses, for farmers markets, for CSAs and a number of other things. So. For those that are looking for some evidence-based information related to COVID-19, I would suggest they visit us at our UAEX.edu page and click on the COVID banner at the top and dig into all the resources we have to offer.
0: That's phenomenal. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, well, uh, Dr. Amanda Perez, thank you uh, for uh, bringing us up to date on kind of where our farmer's market stands. And uh what we hope to expect later this summer, two to three months down the road, potentially, you know, this is a it's a phenomenon that's grown in Arkansas. People, I know, look forward to going and visiting and, and buying local at our farmer's markets each and every summer. They anticipate this time of year, and uh, hopefully this too shall pass and we can uh, congregate once again a couple of months down the road uh, and, and we'll uh, keep in touch with you about that.
2: Oh, absolutely. Thank you. So, I mean, the best thing that folks can do in regards to this is – you know, think about purchasing from a local producer, to support our farms and food businesses as we deal with some of those economic challenges, um, and many of the items that you'd be purchasing for your family are health-promoting, um, so being healthy at a time that we're dealing with some of these issues is going to be very important, um, so support our farms, support our small businesses, um, and use our attention service as a resource for information for you and your family.
0: We'll certainly do it. We've been speaking with Dr. Amanda Perez of the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. She's an expert in food safety for the uh, Cooperative Extension Service on this edition of Arkansas AgCast.
1: Next, Ken talks to John Gavin, staff chair of the Bradley County Cooperative Extension Service, about tomato production in southeast Arkansas and the possibility of postponing the annual Pink Tomato Festival because of current social distancing guidelines during the coronavirus outbreak.
0: I'm speaking now with Mr. John Gabb, and John is the staff chair and county extension agent for Bradley County Cooperative Extension Service in Warren. And as you may know, uh, Bradley County, along with Drew and Ashley Counties, are the center of uh, tomato production in Arkansas, especially our commercial tomato operations. And even though we do have some smaller u uh, pick type operations as well, uh, Southeast Arkansas is the hub of tomato production in arkansas and really in this part of the country and john let's talk about uh, our tomato production how has the uh weather affected uh the the ability of our growers down there in your area to get tomatoes out in the field and uh, what's the uh condition of our tomato crop right now
3: okay well the uh the onslaught of of all the rains we had in february and through march the excessive rainfall made it really hard for our producers to prepare their fields, to plow, put out the fertilizer, and then to lay the black plastic mulch. And they actually, instead of being able to start and completing it, uh, uh, at one time, they've had to piece it together uh, between rainfalls, and then after it rained, they have to let the ground dry and then do some more. So all of this was really putting a lot of pressure on, especially when you take into consideration the warmer weather that we've had uh accelerating the growth of our tomato transplants in the hothouse. They were starting to get too big and lanky. And we're waiting to get the ground worked up so that we go to the field. Right now, most of our tomatoes are in the field. They're looking good and and doing pretty well. Uh, You look across the field, you see a bunch of ruts and trumpled up middles. But as one farmer said, I've never grown a crop of tomatoes in the middle. So they'll work that out later. Uh, but since they are growing and uh, at this fast pace, they need uh, additional uh, work, such as sticking and tying and and probably start pruning. And, of course, uh, we're still getting these rains every few days, which is causing uh, problems on keeping uh, our protective cover sprays on the tomatoes for insects and diseases. Uh, Most of the time, these items are good for seven to ten days if the condition stays dry. But because there are cover sprays, uh, you apply it today and it rains tomorrow, well, then you need to get back out there as soon as you can and reapply them in order to protect your plants from insects and diseases. So that's what they're trying to do now is really uh, work what's in the field and keep your cover sprays out to uh, protect their crop from insects and diseases.
0: I know that many of your uh, farm and tomato operations are large commercial uh, tomato operations, uh, but you also have some smaller operations as well. And I know a lot of Arkansans, a lot of people from even Louisiana and neighboring states look forward to our vine-ripened tomatoes in season. How will the uh, COVID-19 or the coronavirus social distancing protocols and all of that affect the ability for these growers to sell to consumers, whether it be through a farmers market or a U-Pick operation.
3: Well, luckily, most of our commercial producers they have set markets for the majority of their crop. They have buyers or brokers that uh, they load the tr- tomatoes on trucks and ship them to them. But most of our growers aren't just tomato growers no more. They have diversified over the years and have peppers and squash and cucumbers and many many other crops and do depend on own farm purchases from individuals. And of course, uh, with the COVID-19 restrictions on gathering, uh, it's really going to force the producers to be really creative in their marketing. Uh, they need to get the word out on maybe what crops they have and when they're available. And and then hopefully maybe they can sell ahead of time uh, prepackaged boxes or develop a system where Uh, Tomatoes are delivered at one point. The people that's buying them can come and load them and pay without really uh, breaking that 6 to 10 foot barrier that we like to keep. But it's going to take a lot of creativity uh, to to go over this, especially with our true farmer's markets. Uh, That's going to be a real challenge uh, on how they handle that. So with the
0: you know, optimum growing conditions or maybe these uh, rainfall events will not be quite as frequent or as heavy, although I know even yesterday there was a a pop-up storm that developed in your area that didn't affect the rest of the state. Uh, So with that in mind, here we are in the second week, beginning the second week of April. I know we're still a little bit early in the season, but uh, just kind of looking down the road, when uh, do you think your vine, rock, and tomatoes will be ready uh, for consumers, uh, you know, how many more weeks do we have to wait?
3: Well, from the past experience this year, we're already running around 10 days to 14 days ahead of schedule. So on a normal year where you would be picking tomatoes, probably the first week in June or something, uh, you can back off of that and probably we'll have tomatoes ready the third week of May, maybe, in the last week of May. Of course, the crystal ball is not always accurate. Uh, things can change between now and then as far as weather to uh, get us back onto a normal uh, schedule. But right now, we're about 10 days ahead of time. So I, I would pick, be looking at end of May for fresh market tomatoes from South Arkansas.
0: That's great. That's great. And the quality, you think, uh, you know, barring any uh, rot or any other type of disease, uh, quality is going to be just as good as we're always familiar with?
3: As far as I can tell, we haven't had enough weather that would decrease the quality of the tomatoes. You know, a lot of times we'll get um, hailstorms and and high winds and stuff that can cause uh, quality problems. But as of today, uh, we're still right on schedule, hopefully with a, a really good crop to come in. And,
0: John, let's kind of wrap this up by talking about your annual Pink Tomato Festival. That's a huge event for Warren every single year that people look forward to. You get several thousand. I mean, the population of Warren, Arkansas triples and sometimes quadruples on the downtown square for your tomato festival. In light of the COVID 19 situation, what's the outlook for the festival? They're going to have to postpone it?
3: Well, we're just, I've talked to the. the festival chairperson and, and the committee—they're—they're they're staying abreast of all the news and, and the deadlines that they need to make in order to have this, such as uh, vendors and, and entertainers, uh, contracts and whatnot. Right now, they're being very cautious. They're playing it day by day. They hope that uh, the, uh, the c- circumstance work out where we can start c- uh, regular communications and and and, and grouping. Uh, we'll be relieved by then. However, they are ready to uh, postpone it if that's what will have to be done. They will just make that announcement a little later. When is it scheduled for right now? It's the uh, first uh, full weekend in June, which uh, I don't have my calendar with me, uh, but it's going to be around June uh, the 12th or 13th, somewhere like that. It's always the second full weekend. Oh, the first full weekend in in June, first full weekend of June. Okay, well we've got
0: you know two months basically
3: uh, between now and then
0: uh, for this to uh, for this virus concern to pass potentially, and for these uh, social distancing restrictions to be relaxed. Although I have heard John that uh, a lot of the healthcare officials nationwide are saying, even though uh, they may flatten the curve as they're calling it on the virus and the number of diagnosed cases may ease a little bit. We don't need to just automatically start having, you know, large, large gatherings once again, you know, in the next month or six weeks. So, That's a, you know, the the coordinators and the planners for the uh, festival may have to take that under consideration.
3: Wait. They're watching it and uh, they're staying abreast of, of what's uh, what are being uh, suggested by the governor's office and the CDC. And like I say, it, when it gets to the point where they have to make a decision, I'm sure they'll they'll come together and make the the, the best one, not only for the festival but the uh, people that would, would be or potential people that would be attending. Uh, it's just uh, right now they're just playing it day by day, and uh, once it gets to a, a point of no return where they have to make a decision, well, then they'll do that at that point. Now,
0: if they do postpone, could it be rescheduled later in the summer? I know we have other big festivals in Arkansas, like the Watermelon Festival in Hope, that's usually in August. Is there any way to, to reschedule the uh, festival in Warren later in the year, or would it just be canceled for 2020?
3: That I couldn't tell you. Uh, that's going to be up to the Pink Tomato Planning Committee. Uh, but, yes, anything you know can be postponed. It's just got to be done in coordination with, with other things, uh, the festivals in Arkansas try not to overlap on each other. And while ours is traditionally during the the time of uh, the the second weekend in June, there's other festivals being conducted, and we definitely, I don't think we'd want to just overbook. But of course, we will have tomatoes on through July, uh, middle of July. So it's potentially they could just postpone it. But again, that's going to be up to that. Committee, the planning committee on that.
0: All right. Well, John, we'll just keep in touch with you and we'll follow what the uh planning committee uh decides here over the next month or so and uh maybe check back with you here as we get into the month of May and a little bit closer. Please keep us informed on uh what decision the planning committee makes so we can get that word out to our, our listeners here on Arkansas Agcast, all right?
3: That sounds good.
0: All right. Well, John, let's hope for a great crop again. Uh, this year sounds like we're off to a good start despite the weather, and I uh, look forward to those vine rock
3: and tomatoes coming off here in the next month or so. We will. We're looking forward to it, and I've got to my calendar, and it's scheduled for the 11th, 12th, and 13th of June until further notice. All right. Thank you for confirming that. We've been speaking
0: to John Gavin, the staff chair and uh, county extension agent for the Bradley County Cooperative Extension Service on this edition of Arkansas AgCast.
1: Finally, Ken is joined by UA Division of Agriculture wheat and Feed Grains agronomist Jason Kelly, who explains how saturated ground and persistent rainfall have delayed corn planting and how COVID-19 concerns are impacting Arkansas crop farmers.
0: I'm Ken Moore. Today, I'm talking with Jason Kelly. Jason is the wheat and Feed Grains agronomist for the University of Arkansas system, division of agriculture and when we say feed grains we also talk about our arkansas corn crop and jason let's uh... let's talk about uh... the status of our corn crop right now uh, i'm talking to you on friday april the third uh, those who will be listening to our conversation will listen to it about a week from now But we're kind of crystal ball but you can tell me right where we are uh... with uh, planting our corn crop it goes without saying it's been way too wet uh there have been media reports about how it's already wetter after the first three months of the year than it was at this time last year is it deja vu all over again for our uh,
4: corn farmers it, it really is ken i mean we are we're, we're ideally we would like to have quite a bit of corn planted now or, or be in the middle of corn planting in, of march first first half of april and uh yeah, like like you said, deja vu from from last year. It really is. And so, you know, wet weather statewide has kept corn corn farmers out of the field. So we we have very little corn planted to date. I know our Arkansas Agricultural Statistics Service they've estimated that end of March we had only about two percent of the corn crop planted. And compared to 10% last year, so we're a little bit behind where we were last year, and then the uh, five-year average is about 15% for that date. So, yeah, we're uh, the wet weather is definitely holding us out uh, much more than, than we'd like to see even compared to last year.
0: That being said, kind of revisit
4: uh, what
0: happened in 2019, even though we are behind where we were a year ago. We did get a corn crop in the ground. It just took a great deal of effort on the part of our farmers. Uh, some even had to plant the crop twice.
4: Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, we're, we're behind uh, not where ideally ideally we would like to be at this point. But, yeah, if you look back at last year, I planted today's April 3rd, and I planted corn April 3rd last year, and there's a lot of people jumped in and planted. We had a dry week last year. Got a lot of rain on it, and then a lot of that had to be replanted. So you know, in rally we may be on par with what we were last year. But yeah, I mean, we we learned a lot of things last year that uh, late planted corn, it, it still is an option. Um, you know, if you go back and look at our planting date studies, most of the time, you know, through the month of April, we, we're still able to maximize our yields on uh, irrigated corn. And also, if you look at our corn insurance planning date guidelines uh, April 25th is the date that uh, after that you would you would have a reduced level of coverage for most of the state uh, and, and Northeast Arkansas that's pushed out to May 1 and that, that pretty much follows with what our uh, planning date studies have shown that yield really starts dropping probably end of April that first of may time frame and so if you think back to 2019 we had a lot of corn planted 10th of may 15th of may you know a lot later than what people would want and uh, when, when everything went right people managed it properly we still had 200 bushel yields so you know i think uh, everybody's anxious uh ready to hit the panic button april 3rd but uh you know in my mind And our data shows we've still got three or four weeks of time that we can still get the crop in and still make that 100% yield potential. What uh, outlook, what's in your mind uh, the weather outlook
0: for the rest of this month uh, based on what you've read and and learned? I know you follow the weather uh, models uh, pretty closely uh, so you know what to tell our growers.
4: Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's amazing. Sometimes those weather forecasts are dead on and, and sometimes they're not you know right now if you look at the models they're, they're saying it's still going to be we're still going to be in a wet pattern although uh, you know I think most of them aren't showing heavy rain but at this point uh, you know a quarter of an inch may keep you out uh, for until the next rain so yeah I mean uh, you know to to me we can look at the models and, and guess what it's going to do and that's really what it is, is a guess so you know, to me, I would be ready to go. I mean, it's wet today. It's raining today, April 3rd. But uh, I saw earlier today there was people planting corn in Arkansas today. So, you know, I think we just have to be ready. These small windows we have, you know, last year we had very small windows to plant. We got all of our corn planted we wanted, almost eight, seven 750,000 acres. So, you know, with equipment today, uh two, three days of dry weather, little little windows that we can get things planted, we, we can get a lot done, fortunately.
0: You mentioned seven hundred and
4: fifty thousand last year. What's the uh projected planning
0: outlook for twenty twenty?
4: The planning intentions report come out uh, March thirty first and uh you know th- those surveys are done earlier in the winter, February, March. So always subject to change, but they were estimating we would plant about eight hundred thousand acres of corn in 2020 in Arkansas. So that would be a slight increase from last year, if if uh, you know if if we can still get everything done right. So planting intentions are we would have be flat or maybe have a little bit more corn this year. With this weather outlook, if it does not change. We saw
0: a significant amount of prevented planting acres in 2019, more than we've seen in a couple of decades, I think.
4: Uh, Do
0: you anticipate farmers taking advantage of prevented planting again?
4: Yeah, that, that's one thing that would be on the table. And uh, 2019 for, for corn, you know, like I say, we had 750,000 acres of corn that was actually planted, but then we also had about 330,000 acres of corn that were prevent planted. And so, yeah, if, if this, this continues, this weather pattern continues, yeah, I, I think that will be an option that, that our farmers are going to be looking at. You know, if you look at the commodities that uh, that they could turn to, I mean, corn, cotton, soybeans, you know, the upland, you know, better drained soils, you know, all three of those crops, the price, grain prices or commodity prices are, are not real attractive. So, uh, you know, if soybeans were 12, 12, $12 a bushel, I think people might go to that, but uh, depressed prices all around. Yeah, if it gets down to the 25th of April or 1st of May and it, we're still in this pattern, yeah, I, I think preventive planting will definitely be an option that people are going to consider. Wow.
0: Well, the last couple of
4: years, in this
0: dates all the way back. This wet weather pattern kind of dates back to the harvest of 2018, as we all know. And uh, last year was kind of one for the record books, and we're certainly hoping and praying that's not the case at the end of 2020, when we look back on this crop year, but uh, are you, as an agronomist, noticing that uh, you know in the mid South, our weather patterns are changing into a a wetter a wetter weather pattern?
4: yeah well yeah i mean and i guess uh all weather patterns change uh you know you're right i mean really if you go back to the fall of 2018 that that was really uh as wet or wetter than the fall of 2019 so yeah we get really here in about uh you know 18 months uh coming up on two years we, we've really been in a in a wet pattern that uh you know, and, and you know, in the back of my mind I know weather patterns always change and even out at some point in time and that that's what's what concerns me a little bit. But uh, yeah, we we're definitely stuck in a weather pattern and um boy, you know, and it's not just us, you, you know, it's a big region across the US, mid south especially, it seems like it's on in the bullseye though. Yeah, I guess on one hand we always say don't
0: uh you know Mother Nature now because you may be wanting some moisture in the middle of the summer and that stuff. Uh, right now though with soil moisture once you get that crop in the ground it kind of takes away the pressure on irrigation doesn't it?
4: Yeah I mean re- really I mean last year especially uh, you know that we, we irrigated probably, and I'm talking corn, but probably it would be relative to other crops as well. We probably watered our corn half as much as maybe what we would have anticipated in a normal year uh, just a reflection that you know we got some timely timely rains in June and July, May June and July last year that, that really cut down on our irrigation expenses. So yeah, I mean it it all comes around unfortunately. So we we have to get ready and uh, be ready to to irrigate if it does dry up, which I'm sure at some point it will. Well, last September I know what really made those yields so
0: good and allowed us to have a decent harvest was the rain finally stopped toward the end of August. And through the month of September, we had a hotter and drier month of September, and that really helped with the harvest, didn't it?
4: Yeah, it really did. I mean, you know, we had a lot of late-planted corn last year, May, you know, even some in June. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the month of September really helped uh, corn harvest, soybean, really all the crops, helped them mature out, uh, enable the harvest to, to occur pretty rapidly. I mean, we had, not to say record warmth warm temperatures in September but we had a really dry September so those combined together really helped us out last year and if it had been a a wet cool September uh, I don't know that harvest would have went nearly as smooth as as it did last fall.
0: Talk about how this environment may be impacting that we're in with social distancing and and the challenges that we face uh, nationally with that uh, on on delivery of uh, inputs that the farmers need. Uh, supply chain issues, Uh, how is that affecting our corn and and grain farmers?
4: I I think short-term, you know, the the coronavirus is, uh, you know, it affects all of us. Now, you know, we're getting ready to plant. How is that going to impact our farmers? And, you know, right now, most for corn anyway, the seeds in the warehouse, or, you know, many farmers probably already taken it, uh, got it in their shop ready to go. So I, I guess short term, maybe it's not that bad, that big of an issue is as, as long as we can you know, we'll do our normal duties by, uh, you know, social distancing. Now, uh, you know, if we're relying on products coming in from the other parts of the U.S. or other countries, you know, that, that may be a, a, a def, definite problem there. It may, may slow things down and uh, may create a backlog there. But, you know, temporarily, short term. I think we could get the crop planted Uh, after that. It it would be interesting to see how it all plays out. The stimulus package, if you will,
0: the uh, aid package that Congress passed a little over a week ago or so uh, is going to be very helpful for all Americans. How important is that for our grain farmers uh, in Arkansas and the Mid-South, and and how will they benefit from uh, the, you know, Portions of that package, that uh, tri- multi-trillion dollar package, I think, is a little over $2 trillion. How is that going to help our uh, farmers and ranchers here in Arkansas?
4: Well, I mean, what my understanding is that, every, you know, if you met the uh, income requirements or didn't uh, had income levels at a certain level or less, uh, you know, we were all going to get some uh, money to, so much per individual. And then if you had children, I mean, that, that'll help you know the, some of the every everyday expenses, food, uh, maybe short term some of the bills. Uh, you know, large farms are uh, going to have millions of dollars of expenses, so that that small amount, I, I don't know, is going to help them all that much.
0: Okay. Well, any help? Yeah, I don't, from, I, uh, yeah go ahead. I'm just going to say any help from Washington is
4: is appreciated at this time. That that's exactly right. I mean, it, you know, anything can help. I know a lot of a lot of people are out of jobs. Uh, their income levels or income uh, flow has been stopped, and so any, anything that could help is, is definitely going to be appreciated. Some of our crop farmers, of course, have local
0: uh, farm labor that they can uh, rely upon and depend upon uh, each and every year. They're, they don't have to worry or depend upon. Uh, migrant labor if you will but uh, in this environment for those that do depend on uh, the guest worker program how is this environment going to impact their b- ability to uh, to work this summer?
4: Yeah I, I think that could be a, be a real issue because you know we've got Arkansas farms that you know have a lot of different uh, sources of labor. We We have some that have you know use only local labor labor or maybe they've got some full-time employees that are always on the payroll and then you've got others that are, you know, maybe six months out of the year they're on the payroll and those may come, those workers may come in from other areas of the country uh, or other countries. And so that, that process, if that is slowed down, yeah, that's that's going to have, could have a huge impact for some for some Arkansas farms.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. I believe I read where uh, Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue uh, has reported that uh, they're easing some of the restrictions uh concerning guest workers and the h2a program uh and hopefully that will help especially those that are are growing our uh produce our fruits and vegetables and and need uh labor in that regard but uh anyway jason uh again just kind of back on uh on this crop year i know we can look we will talk again here in a month or two uh as we go through the rest of the spring but uh just crystal ball, I know you referenced earlier the prices are not good for mid grains. Uh, rice, I think, is the most attractive crop right now by price. But uh, what's it going to take to get these grain prices back up? We don't want to have any disasters as far as the crops go, but uh, it's going to be a challenge just breaking even with these prices.
4: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think right now the rice price, if you run the budgets, uh, you know, that that looks attractive, but at the same time, we, we can't plant rice on every acre, and if we did that, then, uh, you know, next year the rice price wouldn't be very good. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the planting intentions report came out the other day, and the soybeans and corn, uh, you know, that there was a lot of intentions to plant corn, and, of course, that did not... Uh, bode well for the corn prices. Upcoming corn prices. You've got uh, the ethanol production that is basically bottomed out with the coronavirus. Very little pro- production has really went down, so that's uh, slowing down the corn consumption market. Uh, soybeans. I know you know ex- we're relying on exports. We're not, not exporting that. That's uh, detrimental to our price. So uh, the cotton. I know cotton prices are. are pretty low right now so all three of those you know rely on internal consumption within the US or trade and if both of those are disrupted it's going to be difficult to get those prices back up where we want them to be. And
0: then as we wrap this uh, conversation up I want to touch briefly on uh, our wheat crop, our winter wheat crop and you told me and I remember the day uh, a number of years back when we would uh, come close to growing a million acres of wheat. You'd see a lot of wheat through the winter months all over the Delta in Arkansas, not so much right now. Uh, talk about how important the wheat crop is for Arkansas, and uh, we're approaching that period in the next two months where our wheat crop will be harvested during the month of May. Uh, what kind, what kind of acres are we looking at, and, and talk about the importance of our wheat crop.
4: Yeah, it's been bad, definitely been a, a tough two years for wheat. I mean, if you think back to the fall of 2018, probably the wettest on record, and fall of 2019, uh, not, not far behind in many regards. So, you know, if we struggle to get summer crops out uh, too too muddy to get wheat planted, uh, we're just not going to get the wheat planted. And unfortunately, that's that's what's happened the last two years. This year, we've planted an estimated 160,000 acres, so compared that to maybe 10 or 12 years ago, we were up there close to a million. You know, that's a huge drop-off, but at the same time, we've got a little bit more wheat this year than we had last year, so, uh, you know, where we're going to end up at harvest, you know, I'd be surprised if we had much over 100,000 acres that would be harvested, so, Struggles getting the wheat planted last fall, wet weather, you know, we've got some stands and fields that just don't look very good, thin stands, waterlogged wheat, and so some of those fields that uh, had intended to go to, you know, harvest, go to harvest and harvest the grain, they may be terminated, maybe used as cover crop, and so our our harvested acres will be down a little bit. Um, You know, the importance of wheat. You know, we've gotten away from a lot of our double croppings. You know, we're planting a lot of early season soybeans now, which that system works really good. Uh, you know, if you look at the wheat prices right now, a few days ago, they hit $6 a bushel, which $6 is really good for wheat. And so, you know, if producers had a more of an opportunity last fall to plant some wheat, I think they could have, could have come out pretty good this year with $6 wheat and you know followed by double crop soybeans so it'll be interesting to see you know the trend is mid-south and arkansas wheat acreages went down and really across the u.s i mean u.s wide winter wheat acres is down to about a hundred year low basically as low as they've ever been since they've been keeping records And, and part of that's due to prices you know we've expanded corn acreage maybe cotton acreage in some areas other crops and so the wheat uh, lately, it's been taking a back seat. Uh, but if we can get that price up this summer, this going into planting season this fall, you know, maybe we'll get some more wheat acres in, in Arkansas and in the mid-south.
0: All right, well, let's, uh, we'll be watching that.
4: We'll certainly be watching. We know that uh,
0: prices are cyclical and farmers uh, take advantage of, of the crops where they can get the best value for their for their efforts, and hopefully our wee acres will come back up in the next few years. We'll just have to see what happens. Well, Jason, thank you for giving us a few minutes of your time, and uh, we want to be optimistic, and I know you're very optimistic. We will have a good corn crop again this year, won't we?
4: We, we will. I mean, you know, I, I think the big thing is, you know, look back at 2019, how bad that was, and uh, state average yield uh, wasn't a whole lot lower than it was the previous years i think we had about a state average 175 bushel per acre which which is really good considering we had some exceptionally late planted corn so yeah optimism is really what we need right now
0: thank you very much jason we'll keep in touch with you here and talk with you again here in about a month or so
4: all right thank you very much
0: been talking to jason kelly the wheat and feed grains agronomist for the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture on this edition of Arkansas AgCast.
1: That's it for this week. Arkansas AgCast returns next week with the latest news and updates about Arkansas's largest industry.